Radio Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside Studio 34. This is Doc Jock. That is Mitchell, Dr. Mitchell Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. Almost screwed up the entire intro because I was so excited. Doc, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, it's absolutely fascinating. That's a good I mean, word for it. You know, you and I spend time uh, texting back and forth and and, and discussing. And, 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 and since we're here last Monday, we have a new NBA champion. And yet it seems like that's the smallest part of the entire story of what's going on in, you know, honestly, the NBA has replaced the NFL as the world's best running American reality show. For now, NFL always can get that back. But it's amazing because one week ago we sat in these very chairs and we talked about the NBA finals and and a little bit of NBA free agency. And legitimately, in the seven days since our last show, everything has changed. Everything has turned upside down. And from the beginning, and I actually have it up here, I was ready for this. At 9.53 p.m. last Monday night, you texted me the second that Kevin Durant went down. And you said, that's his Achilles. Here's the issue. He has a partial, not full tear of Achilles. This is before any diagnosis. This is literally why Durant's sitting on the ground. He has a partial, not full tear of Achilles. He has a high likelihood of a full tear in the future. There's no way to rehab as it's a wear and tear injury. Rest, a lot of therapy. That is not his calf. It's beneath. That is a tear. That's no calf strain. The way that they are acting and they are concerned, he has a torn Achilles. This is now at 11.15 last night, uh, last Monday night. That's no calf strain. The way they are acting, they are concerned he has a torn Achilles. If this was a so-called pulled, mus- pulled muscle, they'd be disappointed. But he would have months to heal. Wow. Cannot believe the Warriors came back to win after Leonard went crazy. Mm. Yeah. So let's expand on all of those things. Number one. And tell what we know now, obviously. Well, everybody in the world knows that Kevin Durant uh, uh, tore his right Achilles. And let's start with the question that you're really asking and everybody asked is, are they related? And the answer is absolutely. The calf is a muscle. The end of the muscle is a tendon. The end of the muscle of the tendon is the Achilles tendon. The Achilles tears when the tendon goes in one direction, for example, your dorsiflexing or lifting up your leg, and the muscle contracts and that force exceeds the force that the tendon can roll. So basically you have a contraction of the half muscle going in one direction, the tendon pulling in another direction, that force exceeds what the tendon can handle, and then you get that injury. Those two things have to be related. The second part is, you always ask the question, why then, why now? Why didn't it happen? And he's made that move 15,000 times. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Okay, One is that over the course of time, the, the wear and tear on that tendon wore down. It could be the force of that contraction was, was higher. And the other thing I told you is that this might have been predetermined. And that's something we never know because he can never be his own control group. Like he could have rested all year, played for a different team, so, and tore that same thing. So that was obviously my question. From the beginning, when Durant went down with this, what they call a sore calf, 
it looked like just from the video evidence, he always grabbed below the calf. It was right. never like when you think of your calf, he was he had grabbing a low, it. He had a low injury of the calf. Okay. And that, but the calf muscle itself, now you have scar tissue, less flexibility, potentially spasms, goes in one direction, tear, tears the tendon. To say they're not related, when the tendon... You know, where the calf ends and the tendon begins is really, you know, it's... it's they're, they're obviously related, but what you said a moment ago that he could have sat out for the next... missed the rest of the NBA Finals, sat out for the next six months, played with the Warriors, with the Knicks, with whoever, and then snap. Right. So, my, I guess my question because, is... Because it's a wear... It, it, it's a wear it's and tear, tear injury. injury. Right, that's what you it, said. It, it, it basically, and this is where it comes down to where... You kind of have to allow emotion to move away and look at what it means and realize that if any of us could predict the future, we'd all be a lot wealthier. No doubt. But that, the obvious question that I have to ask, and I'll let you go, did it matter that he came back in game five and then one quarter and a half later he tore the Achilles or this is going to happen anyway? combination of both the answer is yes it, it made it far more likely because again an achilles tear is related to the calf and the muscle pulling so therefore you would imagine a damaged or scar muscle is more likely to go in its own direction spasm or create whatever force it's going to do but the second possibility is from playing basketball his entire life and there's so much wear and tear that there was going to be that next thing to do this. I do think it does show that Kevin Durant, you know, think about this as a car. Maybe the car model, we look at the draft year being the model, but we look at how many miles are on the car. It tells you that there are miles on the speedometer. Now, of course, just like, you know, you make this decision of should I put money, and I, and I hate to take human beings and put them in this type of analogy because I think it really doesn't do justice to somebody who's as, you know, as, as accomplished as Kevin Durant, so I apologize. But, you know, you get down and you say, well, if I repair this, is something else going to go? And I think that that's what you really have to be concerned with, which is that if I had to give a probability over the next four years of him having an injury that keeps him out for a year, I would put that number somewhere between 10 and 20%. I think that, you know, number one, you have the concerns about that Achilles re-rupture. How much explosivity does it take away from him? The other thing is that righties are more likely to tear their left Achilles. Lefties are more likely to tear their right Achilles. And you can think about it as logically your off leg is your plant leg most often. So it's not out of the realm that he can tear the other Side. The bottom line is, you know, if I was working for Sussman Reinsurance, I would say that I would charge a huge rate to insure a $100 million contract. I would be talking about, I would say, I would look at you and say the chance, and, and you know, you never know what year that's going to be. If it's in the fourth year, you know, like for example, David Wright, I would say that you know, if you, we signed him to a four-year contract, I'd say that there's a 15% chance that he's going to miss one of those years. So I'm paying out on that, that year, et but, cetera. But that number that you're giving us, 15%, 15 to 20%. I'm making it. I mean, of, course, of course you are. But 15, 20%. Forget being working for the insurance company. If you're working 
as an owner or a general manager of an organization? Are you giving Kevin Durant the max 140, whatever it is, million dollar contract to sign him long term? I, I think it depends on what your expectations and what you think. If you're the Knicks. I mean, if, if, if I'm the Knicks, I would honestly, you see, I, I think if you're the Knicks, I think you're going to wind up not having an, you're going to have a reduced Kevin Durant. Now, if you ask basketball-wise, I think he's going to be able to score. I told you last week. I said he was going to score 26 I was going to get to that because, test. Okay. You know, and, I, and I wasn't far from wrong from that. Okay, because I'm going to read you exactly what you said. When he pulled his calf, I felt that it was likely he would tear his Achilles, what you just mentioned. Think of the Achilles injury as two issues. The injury and the fact that the injury represents that the threat is off the tire. There are, so, there are some traumatic tears when some steps are on you, but this is wear and tear. The interesting thing is, when you take a step back, the entire NBA is now reshuffled. Um, oh, where's the line? Oh, you, did, I, did I skip it? You said, here it is. I'm sorry, I skipped it. Achilles injuries mean the best of the career is over for several reasons. It is an overused injury, and most do not come all the way back. Durant will score as he did yesterday, but he will lack explosiveness. Thus, I would be reluctant to sign him. Yes. Do you stand by all that? I stand exactly by that. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to, you look at Isaiah Thomas, you look at Patrick Ewing, he, you know, it's a very tough injury to not pull tight. I mean, I know everybody points to Dominique Wilkins. To Marcus Cousins, most recently. He's younger. You know, and I, you know, I know it was a, 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 a different injury and, and stuff like that. But, again, you know, the, I can only deal with probability, not, not, not in, in, individual. Absolutely. Everybody's different. Everybody, you know, everybody's different. People are talking, the, the repairs, you know, in, in the biggest complications of surgical repairs, you know, there's really not a lot of skin between the Achilles. You know, you can feel your own Achilles, so the wound infection rate's not low. And then it, it, it's problematic to, to, to get the exact tension. Some of the differences now is that in the past, there was a lot of rest. Now they, we realize that rehab has to be a more, more, more active process. Um, but... Again, I think there's real concern. I mean, look, there was a reason why DeMarcus Cousins signed for, for the bargain basement. And, you know, I think, for example, what you're seeing the Warriors talk about signing Clay, and that's a different injury. We'll get to him in a, a few and, moments. And, and, and signing Durant. I think, you know, again, one of the things that you always have to ask yourself in the business of sports, and I know when it's really emotional right now, especially after they went to, and there are human beings involved, and there's a lot of feeling are they paying these people for what they did or what they're going to do? That is always, always, always in free agency the question that has to be considered, and more so with when you bring up a player and re-signing a player. And I think Durant and Clay Thompson are really, really strong examples of that. So, I mean, honestly, if I'm Golden State, I mean, unless there's a lot of Jewish guilt going on, I would let Durant walk. Because, the, you know, the, 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 the medical probability is, is what I'm saying. Say, you, you can figure it out. 4%, you know, on 4% of, of him re-injuring that Achilles. Figure another 5 to 10% that he's not the same player. A certain risk for the left side. 
And like I said, you know, and I think there's, we, we, there's someplace, someplace interesting where we're going. It shows that there's a fair amount of miles on the speedometer. This is not what your first-year player, an 18-year-old, gets. This is usually an injury that happens to basketball players in their 30s. Sure. Okay? So, so it tells you, is something else going to go for wear and tear? Now, if I'm the Knicks, you know, again, Anthony Davis shows you once again what we talked about and not saying they, they did the wrong thing we'll by get passing to, on that. We'll get to but him. the Knicks have always been the bridesmaid. Maybe it's worth the risk for the Knicks to change the culture. I, I guess I'm wondering what Golden State's thinking because they're going to have to sign Draymond Green. They have Steph Curry. They have Klay Thompson. And these guys have all played a ton of basketball over the last few years. Don't they run the risk of having everybody get old at the same exact time by, by doing that? And, I, I mean, if, if that's the way I was I think, and I, I, I think that this gives Golden State, and I understand that at his best, Durant is the first or second best player in the world, a chance to take a step back and not get old everywhere at the same time. Does that make sense to you? Sure. I mean, I think this is the heart and loyalty speaking rather than logic. I mean, would you take two max players coming back from surgical injuries and then now your team is basically what you're looking at? And you have to say that, you know, Steph has played a lot of basketball. Draymond Green's played a lot of basketball. Can they also have a wear and tear type injury coming up? And, you know, again, you can't predict injuries, but you can predict teams getting old at the same time. I mean, what would Bill Belichick do? I'm glad you bring up Belichick because there's no question Belichick lets him walk. There's, there's zero question about that. But this is only slightly different because I want to go back to the finals and the decision that was made, and the narrative that was around all of this. Being that Durant was soft, that he didn't push himself, that he didn't have the championship mentality, that he was selfish, knowing he was a free agent to be in a matter of weeks. And the trainers, the doctors, the general manager, the agent, and Durant himself all got together and ultimately decided he's playing. How much of that comes from Durant and how much of that comes from the organization? Could they have not forced him to play? You can't force a man to do anything. But Bob Myers, the general manager and and president of of Golden State, was in tears saying, it's my fault, blame me. What do you mean blame you? Why are we blaming you? Like, What went into that decision here, Doc? And obviously it was the wrong one because of what happened. Well, you know, know, first of all, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, when I was growing up, and I hate to date myself, I used to watch when I was really little, Marcus Welby, MD. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Okay, Marcus Welby was like the greatest doctor in the whole world. Not better than you, Doc. Okay, and and, and it's funny. He could tell people, you know, he's got six months to live. Let's send him to the city of hope and stuff like that. I always wondered, like, when in medical school am I going to learn exactly how long somebody's going to live? And, you know, the other comment that I heard, the doctor said they can't hurt it worse again. That's craziness. Okay, we have no predictive value when anybody is going to get hurt from a traumatic or non-traumatic injury. And we all know if something else is scarred, it has an effect on everything else. So what happened is Durant met their criteria of being able to 
go through mobility drills, go through stretching exercises, go through, go through a set of tasks that mimicked the load that would be put on a calf in an NBA game to a smaller degree. And once he was able to meet those metrics pain-free, he got cleared. Okay? The idea, even, you know, the idea that you can't hurt anything worse probably could only be if he played on a torn Achilles tendon, you know, to begin with. You know, for example, like Philip Rivers played on the on, ACL. On the ACL. And, and I'll talk about the difference between ligaments and tendons afterwards. Good, good. Okay? That being, that being said, okay, that doesn't mean I'm faulting anybody's decision. These are great doctors. They have, you know, they're under a difficult type of thing. It's, this is a well-thought-out decision. Durant's own people are involved. The next thing is, I was talking to Coach McCaffrey, one of my close friends, Fran McCaffrey from Iowa, and we were just talking, and Fran brings out a great point. He goes, you know, do you have a burner phone? Okay? 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 We don't have burner phones. He goes, certainly not. You know, Kevin Durant has several. Right. That just tells you how sensitive and insecure. And that's fascinating to me because we look at Kevin Durant as wealthy, articulate, been successful on and off the court, okay, wonderful relationship with his mother. And I haven't even mentioned his greatest attribute, that he's arguably the best basketball player in the world. And we say, well, what do you have to be insecure about? And the answer is it's very, always very hard to judge other people's insecurities. And you know what? He grew up in a single-parent home, sure. dirt poor in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. He probably feels that everything could be taken away from him the same way, you know, like I felt my grandparents felt and immigrant people feel. No matter what they've accomplished, there's that sense of insecurity. kind of goes down by generation. You probably have less of it than I have where I'm first generation. So it's always easy to look at somebody else and judge their end. So he's obviously very sensitive. So he obviously hears these things, whether he should or he shouldn't. The fact that he has burner phones, as Fran points out, tells you that he does. So it's a very, very interesting decision. And as I said, I don't necessarily know that we'll ever know that this couldn't have happened at the beginning of training camp. And I made this point about Zion Williamson. Basketball players play basketball. I mean, that's how they get good. That's how they practice. You can have these wear and tear injuries scrimmaging in a pickup game this summer. You know, unfortunately, athletes are not, for example, fine jewels that we can put up on a shelf and put in protection or else they don't get any better. So I don't really have a problem with the decision. But, and I don't second guess the decision, but I will say that if I'm the Warriors, I wonder if emotion is overstepping probability and solid business decisions, especially faced with really not a great young talent on that team. If you're Kevin Durant, you have a $31 million player option for next year to stay in Golden State. You could opt in and take that or opt out and probably get near a, a max or a near max offer on the open market. What do you do? I, I, you know, again, I think actions speak louder than words. You know, and I said this, that I didn't think Kyler Murray was going to ride buses. Okay. I think that the fact that Kevin Durant 
flew to New York. Yes, it's closer than flying. Had surgery at special surgery by, you know, in New York, um, where his, obviously his agent didn't even inform the Warriors team doctors, make me believe that he's going independent. Now, I know that Draymond Green and I know that the popular press has said that the Warriors are bringing him back and all those things. I, I, I don't know. It, it, it sounded to me like he left the fraternity that night. I mean, you know, he, he, he obviously didn't want the consideration of the Warriors doctors. I mean, he... What if, he, what, what if they recommended you get the surgery in New York? But he flew to New York and he had his MRI at special surgery. Is that where the MRI was in special yeah. surgery? He came to special surgery. Okay. They got in charge. Uh, they got in, 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 in touch with the guy who runs the foot and ankle, McCarthy, over there, who did the surgery on, on Tuesday. The Warriors knew, knew that he had surgery when Durant tweeted to the fans. They didn't know before then? They had no idea before. I think that speaks volumes. Are we sure about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That speaks volumes. To me. Uh, sure. Now, I can't tell you what's going on behind the scenes right now. Obviously. But in the emotion of the moment, they basically tightened ranks. He came with his business agent to New York, which is, again, unusual. Because, I mean, you know, let's face it, UCSF, Stanford, you know, the West Coast is not struggling for top positions, especially the San Francisco area. I mean, it's one of the most desirable places in the world to go. Now, I understand, like, athletes have gone down to Andrews in Alabama. Or right. They go to Stedman and Vail and stuff like that. But I can't think of a time where... Robert an Anderson, North Carolina, foot yeah, doctor. Okay, I, I can't think of a time in my lifetime where an athlete got on a plane, flew to a city directly, not their home city for second opinion, flew to another hospital, you know... And had surgery. I can't think of any time that's ever happened so, in my time. So I think when, when you bring it up. And like, I've had involvement. You know, Lennox Hill has taken care of the Jets for years. So I, I think what, what comes to my mind is how quick it was, right? Like, you've seen players tear an Achilles, go to the doctor, of course, in, near Oakland, get a second opinion in New York. Well, there's no second opinion for Achilles. I mean, there's only two ways to treat a torn Achilles. You can rest and rehab, which is what we do for your mother. But if you're a professional athlete, that has zero chance of working because it will re-rupture. So there's no and, – and, and now you get into the timing of surgery, and, and, and most people are, are having acute surgery. How long is the surgery? Well, it depends on what they do and, and, and whether they back it with, you know, with, they take like a, a, a tissue from somewhere else to back the tendon or direct repair. It, it's probably no longer than an hour and a half to two hours unless they're doing, doing a graft. And, and the real issue with it is it, it really is an operation that does take a, a lot of technique to do, and who does it. And this, this was some of the concerns about Beckham. Like, if you pull it too tight, you create the, the risk of increased tension on it. You leave it too lax, then they don't have any explosivity. So getting it just right is really, really Difficult. I mean, it's really just, takes I'm, a lot. Doc, of, I'm just trying to figure out the timing of all this, right? Like, so he gets hurt on Monday night, right? right? Monday night, he gets hurt, and we find out that it's a, okay, yeah, it's, a, it's an Achilles injury. 
it's what? It's Tuesday at 5 o'clock we find out he tears Achilles? We find out that he had surgery on it? Already? Yeah, so as soon as it's done, you're going you're gonna to do it right, right off the bat. So, I mean, how, when did he leave for New York? I mean, it's not a quick right. flight. It's, Last, oh, it's 40 minutes to Toronto, 50 minutes. I, got there in, oh, I thought they were in San Francisco. That's where I was confused about. They're, they're in, in Toronto. Toronto. They're in Toronto. They were in, it was game five, right? They were in Toronto. They're in Toronto. Now, that's so well, that's so, closer than San Francisco, then. Okay. Okay. So, so, and that's possible. Maybe you said, okay, I don't want him going on a transcontinental flight. Right. Yeah. Okay. We'll go to New York. That's possible. Okay. And maybe I'm misreading it. But I tend to think that, you know, they could have a Gulf Stream. He's back there in five hours. If, you know, him and his business guy, Rich Kleiman, Rich Kleiman mm-hmm. decided we're taking care of this. This is, you know, basically, you know, in, in, in times of crisis, people always pull into their inner circle. You know, there's times you want your friends around. There's times you want your family around. To me, this was family only. So you take a lot of stock then that the first word of the surgery of the actual injury came from Durant's Instagram account rather than a press release from Golden State. And that Golden State found out about it at the same time you did. Seems like an issue. Okay, to me, actions speak louder than words. That tells me that Durant had divorced himself from that, ed- that organization. Him and Rich Kleiman say... I mean, he did say it is, he, the Instagram did say he's pulling for his brothers, etc., etc. I understand that. And Draymond Green went to visit him. But again, I'd say actions speak louder than words. I mean, it, it it's, tells me that he, you know, you know, that he, he confides in Rich Kleiman and trust his decision with his livelihood much more than he trusts the Golden State Warriors. It was not all hands on deck. Three days later, Thursday night, game six, let's win it for KD. And through almost three quarters, Clay Thompson had 30 points. That's exactly what he was doing. Goes and, up- and it's funny, that's what I said. For them to win this game, Clay Thompson's going to have to score 40 points. And he would have. And they would have won it. They would have. I agree with you. And Clay Thompson goes up for a layup. It was just him and the basket. Danny Green comes kind of out of nowhere. Hard foul is what it was on Clay. I don't think it was dirty by any means, but a hard foul to stop him from lands wrong. Just lands wrong awkwardly. And and that's what happens with ACL. So the question we talked before about the calf relating to the Achilles, and you said probably maybe it was a lower calf. Yes, the answer is yes. Now, let's not forget that Clay Thompson missed Game 3 with a hamstring injury. Is there any relation to that with the torn ACL? Probably not. Okay. And, and that's, you know, again, you know, sometimes we see these ACLs where you kind of they're non-contact, but he came down in an awkward position. So a ligament is an attachment between two bones. Okay. Okay. So, so the ACL connects the big bone, the femur, to the tibia, providing stability to the knee. Okay, and preventing it to go front and back and rubbing, which is you can live without an ACL. The problem is, is your knee is relatively unstable and the bone runs, so it increases the arthritis rate. A tendon is the insertion of a muscle onto a bone, so it's moving your, uh, your, sure. your thing. The Achilles tendon is actually the largest tendon in the body. So what causes ACL injuries is exactly that, kind of a force where the knee goes one way, buckles the other way, which is exactly what Clay had. 
you know, the classic traumatic, you landed wrong and the knee's in an awkward and the ACL snaps. Um, because the ACL attaches two bones and doesn't really have a muscle levering, they've gotten really good at doing the, that, those repairs, which can either be done with, you know, a graft from your own knee, which is kind of the way most people are doing, or with a cadaveric graft, and basically you pin that into the femur and into, into the tibia to keep the knee stable. Uh, the cadaveric patients have a little, cadaveric means they're taking the, 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 the donor from previous, uh, you know, from a, somebody who passed away and it's cadaveric graft. So the advantage, you know, one of the advantages of using your own is that it's a better blood supply and also you have a little bit of more tenderness because it's usually the patella, part of the patella tendon that they take. And you really want to slow down that process because none of these things have a good blood supply. So what keeps the ACL from coming back, because really it's stabilized in the OR, is we, doctors, orthopods, want you to allow time to allow that graft to be vascularized and scarred in. And that's why the time frame, you know, is usually no, no earlier than six months to allow that to have a blood supply. And you saw Adrian Peterson come back in, 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 in record, record time. Interestingly, if you go back to Bernard King, before there was arthroscopic surgery, the ACL was a career-ending injury, similar to the ulna collateral and Tommy John before Tommy John came back. The ulna collateral, if it was known, because I'm sure there are pitchers that pitched without it, and I'm sure there have been athletes that have played without an ACL. Hockey players traditionally have played without ACLs with, with grafts because it doesn't require, you know, and have an earlier arthritis rate. So Clay's recovery is, A, both more predictable, and we've already seen people reach that same level. I mean, think about the conversation we're having about the NBA draft. Darius Garland tore his ACL, and... He's likely to be the fourth to sixth player picked in the NBA draft. But I don't think the the player coming back from it is as assumed as like the NFL. Like the NFL, we see it all the time. Tom Brady, Adrian Peterson, they came back and almost were, were no worse for wear. But in the NBA, most recently, and I looked this up the other day, the, the guy that come back from it most recently to have success was Zach Levine, and he hasn't really missed a step. He's been fantastic uh, with Chicago. Other than that, there's not as much data as I would have thought. I'm not, I'm not worried about Clay Thompson coming back from an ACL at this point in time. The ACL repair has gotten really good. He'll come back to where he was. The real issue that you have is the great thing about the Warriors is they had four fantastic players who were at their peak and at their peak at the same time. I think the real thing that I'm, I would be concerned about is if you commit money to every single one of them, you want them to grow old at the same time. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about in having these conversations is we saw, you know, the first term, the, the, you know, a pitch count has now come to the NBA. It's now called load management. So the question becomes, you know, people are now giving Toronto great credit for managing Kawhi Leonard's load, coming back from an injury to do it. What's going to be really, really, really interesting if the Lakers have a great year next year with LeBron 
and Anthony Davis, who for different reasons had their load managed. You know, Anthony Davis probably logged the least stressful minutes of any NBA superstar in recent memory, which honestly is, is kind of different. You know, I, I think like you'd be concerned, like if somebody's playing out their contract, they did everything to maximize his value. They didn't want, want him to get hurt at all. They, they basically, you have to give them some degree of credit. They basically looked in the mirror and said, you know what? If we exhaust him, maybe we're the, the eighth seed in the playoffs, probably weren't, or seventh seed. We're not winning a championship no matter what. Let's put him under wraps and get the most value. Him. I never really saw that done before. You know, you, you saw like the Cowboys take the running back and give him the ball 5,000 times in his option year. Absolutely. You know. Murray. Yeah. You, I mean, Murray, like they, they would have sent Murray into like a pile of bricks. DeMarco Murray, they ran him a thousand times and then let him walk. Exactly. Yep. I, I mean, you know, you, 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 I don't think that that was the Mets intent with Matt Harvey, but Matt Harvey would, 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 would make, make that point. You know, if you're so a pitcher right now and you're in your walk year and you're kind of like, you know, I'll give you Zach Wheeler, you know, pretty good, but no one knows whether you're worth big money. Like, you know, is it in the Mets' interest to throw him out there if they're not going to sign him every fourth day, you know, or, or let him go 130 pitches? So I wonder, are we reaching pitch counts in the NBA which, after this and, 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 and talking about Because, you know, that has to come to mind with all of the basketball that the Warriors and LeBron James have played, that, you know, injuries, you know, we, we really, we never thought of the NBA as a game of attrition, as much as we think of football as a game of attrition. Kawhi Leonard obviously proved that throughout the year, missing 22 games uh, this season due to load management. The Warriors themselves said after they won, had the best record of all time in the regular season, it was hard. You know, we pushed ourselves to, to get there. And they subscribed to the theory of load management. LeBron, before he got hurt, would go on vacation for a week in the middle of the season. Load management. Well, but not, for example, his last year in Cleveland after no. he had got all of the negative Certainly. publicity. Yes. You know, all the negative publicity. So, I, you know, again, I think the first time we heard about pitch counts, we all threw our head, and now they're part of baseball. Um, yet it'd be hard to show data. But I, I think we're now going to see pitch counts in the NBA after this I, year. I, I don't think there's any question about it that, that we will uh, see pitch counts. I mean, the, you know, they changed the rules so that you're not supposed to scratch a healthy player out of fairness to the fans. Now, in, in fairness to the NBA, they've reduced the number of back-to-backs and stuff like that. But I think that load management is going to be maybe the term for the NBA pitch count that you're going to now, now see. Now, the question becomes, the Warriors don't want to be disloyal, but they have to look to the future. As you said, you don't want everybody to get old at the same time. You don't want to pay for what they've done. You want to pay for what's to come. Do you give Clay the max deal? I think I'd give Clay okay. and, 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 and move on from Durant. If Durant wants to opt out, you move on. You move on. Okay. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what I, I wouldn't be emotional about this in terms of their... And I'd be concerned for the reasons that I laid out. Now, the Knicks, if I'm the Knicks, you know, the cards aren't playing. You know, you look at who's going to really make a difference. I mean, and, and you know, even a 90% Durant, who's going to come? I mean, the ideal thing for the Knicks with their salary cap would be to, if there are bad contracts out there to take the bad contracts and get draft picks at it. 
what's problematic is that the, all of the NBA are free agents within the next two years, so I don't even think there are bad contracts out there to necessarily take to build draft capital. John Wall's a terrible contract. That's a terrible contract. And, and you know what? I, but I, I don't know how, how that plays in because it, it's really confusing with the NBA cap. Very much so. Like, I mean, I don't understand how the, the Lakers have only five players under contract but no cap room. You know, I, you know, I'd have to sit down and look at that math. But if you're the Knicks, I mean, it's a, it's a very difficult decision. Obviously, you would speak to Kawhi Leonard, but he's not coming. Um, I mean, do you want Kemba Walker as a centerpiece? Again, I think that the risk you have to take is what was great about the Warriors is that great players reached the peak at the same time. So what I'd be worried about if the Knicks is if you get a Durant who has begun to enter into the twilight and you have only other assets that are, have not even hit their prime or whether they would hit their prime, you know, that timing doesn't work. So I'd almost want to, you know, assemble as many lottery tickets as I possibly could and hope that I could become something like the Denver Nuggets. Sure. You know, and then once I was there, like the Nuggets, then try to find that thing to go over the top, which, you know, has to bring us to Anthony Davis. That's exactly where it brings us now, because we talked about this during midseason. What do you do? What do you do? Do you wait for the grandfather offer potentially from Boston, or do you take what seemed at the time a fantastic and best offer from the Lakers? And I remember I had said, you wait. There's no harm we, we, waiting. We, and you we, were with me, I believe. We, we both said we waited. But you know what's really strange? It, 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 it's that, again, it's emotion and it's perception at the time and, and what changed. The only thing that's different from the offer today and the offer that was given in midseason was A, they won the lottery to Zion Williamson, which is, has nothing to do with that offer at all, but changes the perception of that offer. And the second thing is they got lucky getting the fourth draft pick. The Lakers, yep. And I'm not so sure, as we've discussed, that the fourth draft pick is worth that much. There is Well, that's not the only change to the offer, to be fair. The other changes is replacing Kyle Kuzma, who was in the initial offer, with a couple of first-round picks. Remember, they, in the initial offer from this past winter, it was Kuzma, Ingram, Ball, and two first-rounders. That, that was the offer. Now, it's Ball, it's Ingram, it's Josh Hart. We'll get to Ingram in a second, because I know you want to talk about that. Ingram, Ball, Hart, three first-rounders, including the number four pick, an option to swap picks in one of those years where they don't have the first-round pick, and very minimal protections on that on those picks, meaning that if they don't, if Lakers don't land at a certain spot, they could wind up pushing it back a year. A lot of flexibility for New Orleans in the future, which is exactly what they wanted, and all good. But it could also be, you know, a lot. You know, David Griffin said he wanted an all-star. Okay. Where is the all-star in this, this? I assume he believes that either Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram can become one. Okay. Ingram is now, this is, we, we discussed this, Ingram is in the Ben Simmons year, so he's finished his third year in the league. Correct. Okay. When he was drafted, everyone hoped he was going to be a poor man's Kevin Durant. Correct. 
He can't hit the three. Okay. You know, we talked last week about the blood clots. So the reason for his blood clots is actually he had thoracic outlet syndrome, which is like what Matt Harvey has and supposedly Markel Foles had. Right. But his actually leaned on the vein, the subclavian vein, giving him the blood clots. So that is actually a very positive because it's okay. a, a mechanical problem. So in other okay. words, because there was pressure on the vein, the vein clotted, you relieved the pressure. He should not require anticoagulation in the future because it's a correctable cause. Okay, so he should be okay. He should be okay from that standpoint. That being said, okay, what is he? He's a 6'11", two guard. He is a 6th or 7th man, and a good 6th or 7th man can come in and give you some offense. But, again, he's not a stretch four because he doesn't rebound and he can't hit the three. Okay? He, can he get better? Yes, but, you know, at what pace? I mean, you know... I mean, he's only 21 years old. No, he's... No, Ingram's... 21 years old. Ingram's 21? Yes, sir. Okay, Josh Hart's 24? Yes, sir. And Ball's 21. Lonzo Ball is 21 years old as well. Yeah. Ingram's... I thought Ingram was 24. No? 21. 21, I mean, yes, he can get better. He can fill out a little bit. Well, this math doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it, 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 because they come in at... No, he's 21. He's 21. Yeah, he's 21. Yeah. So he came into the league very young. Very young. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he could. He's 18 years old he got drafted. I, I, he could, but, I, I, you know, again, I haven't seen it. I, I think he is a very ball-dominant player. Now, Lonzo Ball, I think, could be very good on the right team, but I think New Orleans, I'm not sure, has enough shooting to him. Like, you know, Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, I'm not sure. I, 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 like that, I like that Phoenix thing much better with Devin Booker. Sure. You know, I think that Lonzo Ball and Williamson is either going to work great or not work at all. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, potentially Drew Holiday, Zion Williamson, the future. Or New Orleans. So take a step back. Yep. They didn't like Brandon Ingram, and they didn't like Lonzo Ball during the season. Well, I don't know if they didn't like him. Number one, it's also a different, a different general manager. Did, did Lonzo Ball get better because the Lakers were so bad when he didn't play, and people said, oh, they're missing all their defense? Did, did, did Brandon Ingram's value increase because they both got hurt? No. I mean, no. I just think number one, and is, the fourth, it, it's a different, it's a different decision maker. And the fourth draft pick, I don't think is worth. It sounds great, but yeah, I know. Let's look at Lonzo Ball as the second pick, pick, pick. You know, Ingram was second pick, picked, and the fourth pick. You know, here, you, you know, I think all with all these picks mean, with the exception, say, of a Zion, with the exception of when there's a LeBron James in the pick, is that you have more lottery tickets to potentially get the next Joe Kick, to potentially get the next Jamal sure. Murray. But it, it, it's not like, you know, we discussed, most people have Jared Culver going as the fourth pick, and, and neither of us, we all had a very good chance to watch him for three games. We saw things that we liked, yep. and we saw things... We didn't like. That we didn't like. Yep. You know, the other person people talked about was DeAndre Hunter, which we've discussed... We know he's going to. DeAndre Hunter will be in the NBA for 12 years. Yes. Okay. But I think that there's a, if you asked me, I'd say there's a 70% chance that he spends eight of them sitting on the bench. You know, as a 
rotation player. Let me go to the other side of things. Actually, before I do, when you're getting first-round picks, and everybody covets them for the right for the reason, you want to find the Jokic, you want to find Murray, you want to hit. You can't really get much luckier than getting a number four pick in that deal. Like, you're not going to get, if you don't get one, or two, or three. I mean, getting number four is pretty damn good. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I, you know, again, I'm just saying that they didn't get that much more than they were getting in the regular season. Number four versus where the Lakers should have been drafting? That, well, yeah, that you, you had you that. Nail, but you're also, you also now have the ability to move number four for something else. You do. But again, how much in this draft usually... How valuable is it? How valuable is it? I mean, you know, it, 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 it's, this is a draft where the only argument is John Moran versus R.J. Barrett. Sure. Okay? That, that's really the only argument in this draft. If, if you tell me right now... Well, I think Garland versus Kobe White's probably an argument. Okay, but if you told me that there's five players in the second round that are better than four players in the top ten, I would take that action right now. Well, I think, it's, I think you're right, and I think it's funny, and a good, a good answer to that is my guy, right, Bruno Fernando. We've seen him everywhere from the eighth overall pick to the Hawks in a lottery to the second round. I mean, he's been mocked everywhere over the last two months. Currently, NBADraft.net has Bruno at 19 to San Antonio and Bol Bol at 20 to Boston. We've seen both of those guys within the last week be lottery guys. Yeah. So I think that holds credence. Yeah, so, um, and it's so funny. I wanted to tell you, sure. I, 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 was, I, I asked uh, Fran how Tyler Cook was doing, and he said that you know, he actually thinks he's going to do better than expected because teams like him as the next generation backup center. Tyler Cook, according to NBADraft.net, still undrafted. Okay, and last week he was undrafted. I thought we you had him at thirty five. Oh, I thought 40, he was undrafted. 40. I thought he was, we, no, he, no, no, no. You had him in in forty. So he had a great workout with one team. I'm not going to mention it, but okay. so interesting how what they did is they had him work. They had him basically work with their strength coach for two hours. Okay, and then they put him through basketball drills for two hours. And then they had him shoot 105 three-pointers when he was dead tired, you know, to see how he would hit them, which tells you where the NBA is going. So Bruno Fernandez, I think that that would be the knock on him. I think that at least the more progressive organizations mm-hmm. want somebody that they can work with in the weight room that they think can be a workout, has a great body for it, which is probably why this team likes Tyler Cook. And then Hyatt can hit a three-point shot. And sure. that's, what, that's, that's pretty much what they're, what they're evaluating. These guys are all over the place. So I'm not sure how much value. I think it's valuable because, you know, obviously the more tickets you have, the more likely you are to cash one. You know? Sure. And, and what's going on now is what's coming into the NBA, and this goes to your point about Brandon Ingram improving, such unfinished projects that, you know, let's face it, in New York right now, Mitchell Robinson has a lot more value than Kevin Knox, even though they were picked 35 picks yes. differently. Yes, yes. Okay? And it's not even a close call right now. 
I mean, the argument that people make for Knox is, is similar to Ingram, that he's extremely young and that he's 6'9". But he was probably, I think he was the least efficient player in the NBA last year. What do you make from the other side of the deal, the Lakers' side? They give up all of that stuff. They bring in Anthony Davis to round out the prime of LeBron James's career and then put themselves um, in place. They have another superstar when LeBron's ultimately done. It's really, really interesting. I mean, obviously, you, you know, the only thing they could have done, and now the real question is, and I know they're now the NBA favorites to, to be, and I, I, used yes. to say, I used to say LeBron and any 10 players could, could make it to the East Coast semifinals, and maybe that's changing right now, um, and Anthony Davis is not any player. What's really interesting is that he's a big and, you know, if we look at the teams that have won championships, you know, including Toronto, Golden State, Cleveland, probably going back to Miami, I mean, I think you have to go back to Shaquille O'Neal. Maybe you could say Dirk Nowitzki, where a big was their best Player. I mean, everybody's playing small. Sure. Now, I know the argument for Anthony Davis is that he's a big that can play big and a big who can play small. Yes. Which makes him, you know, he can go out and guard anybody on the switch and he can go out and hit the three and that he was short growing up and, you know, and, you know, and, and, and played guard just like the guy who won the U.S. Open was a guard, you know. <laughs> so, so. I, I think that's the interesting thing. But the question becomes, who do you put them with? Who's, who's, who's going to be the defensive stopper? Who's going to be their J.J. Redick? And, you know, do they have the money or will those people come? I mean, obviously... So they, they J- have, I believe I read, if, they, if the trade gets completed July 1st or whatever, or whatever the day is, they have like $23 million in cap space. If they wait till the end of the month, that goes up to $30 million in cap and space. And where is that? I mean, that's because there's only five players under contract. I was trying to figure out who they were. Obviously, you ha- I mean, five besides the two. Okay. I-, 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 I know Wagner's one of them. Okay, Mo Wagner, yep. Who, who else is under contract? For is Alex Caruso under contract with them? Might be. Let's look up uh, who's on. It's not the Lance Stevenson. It's not any of the, the centers they brought in. You know, it, 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 right, here we go. Under contract for next season. LeBron James. Mo Wagner. Okay. Kyle Kuzma. Okay. Isaac Bunga. Okay. I don't even know who that is. Nor do I. Uh, Anthony Davis, obviously. And that's it. So where is their salary cap? LeBron James making $37 million. Yeah, but the cap is... That everybody has a, a max. Player. So LeBron's making thirty-seven. What's Anthony Davis making? He's making a lot. Not, not really. He's not maxed out yet. He's got to be. Well, in he, the he he is maxed out because he signed a max extension the first time with them. Where is this Pelicans? Hold on. New Orleans. It's not an alphabetical order. It makes it very tough. There you got it. Okay. So Davis is making twenty-seven. Okay. The cap's over 130. Okay. 120. I don't know. I'm not. They must be have some players' dead contracts that they're eating. So they're eating next year 
about five mil of Luol Deng. Okay, that's nothing. Five mil of Luol Deng. Vanga, Kuzma, Wagner, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. That's it. And, and, and they have to do, well, and then they have the mid cap. I mean, the NBA is so with the mid cap. I know. It's, it's, it's not a hard cap. But, you know, so it's really, really, really confusing. So, I mean, how, I mean, so I don't know how exactly, you know, they'll probably fill out their roster just like. So we've heard rumors of Kemba Walker being their top target. We've heard rumors of them separating some of that space out uh, to role players. I don't know. No, you know, but what, what it really basically means is that the NBA is wide open. You know, you can't really figure out where, where it is. It, it is. You know, the Warriors are not going to be the Warriors next year. And right now, honestly, you know, I would short the Lakers. You know, I know they've become the favorites, but it, it, it seems to me that um, – you know, right? Like right now, if I would take some decent odds on Denver, I think that Denver has a lot of good young players. A lot of Raptors in them, right? Yeah, I think Denver has a lot of good young players, and you know, there's a lot of athleticism that people don't realize. You know, yes, there is no way Toronto would not have won without Kawhi Leonard, but there is no way Toronto would have not won would have won without Pascal Siakam. Sure. Okay? There is no way they would have won without Van Fleet. I mean, their athleticism and the players that they developed was really, really good, and their length was really, really good. And then they went out and they got, you know, Abak has always been an athletic big man, and, you know, by, again, maybe load management and reducing him to 20 minutes a game from, what he was playing made him look like he was a rookie in OKC again. Doc, who won the trade? Um, I think it remains to be seen. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it, it, it's plain and simple. It, 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 if, if the Lakers win a championship, the Lakers won the trade, no matter what. Well, unless, I guess, unless Zion Williamson wins a championship sure. with these two teams. But if the Lakers win a championship, this is a great deal for them. If the Lakers go up in smoke, then they have no ability, you would think, to recover for the next seven years. So they basically, you know, this is, they're all in. They're all in. And, and the question is, is this enough? And it's hard to answer that until it's done. And I think the risk that the Lakers take is the Pascal Siakam type thing. Will they have enough athleticism to deal with one of these teams, especially as the season goes on? You know, and, and that's, you know, Golden State was a super team, but they had a lot of athleticism coming off the bench with Iguodala and Sean Livingston those first few years, okay, that people lose sight of. Um, and I think that today's NBA is very, very, very athletic. And what happened to the Lakers at the end of last year is that they weren't athletic. They still had, you know, they still had players that were decent resumes, but they weren't athletic. So they're going to need a lot of athleticism. Davis is very, very, very athletic to go along with that team, and that may be hard to find. They need a combination of shooting and athleticism to go with it. And I don't know if that's there. A couple of weeks away now from NBA free agency, of course, the draft taking place just three nights from tonight. 
on Thursday from Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Doc, we'll wrap it up before we go. Quick thoughts on a couple of things here. Gary Woodland, your U.S. Open champion. What did you think? I thought it was fantastic. And again, I think what really is great in trying to link the topics that we talked about is too many parents want their kids to play one sport. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody knows the story about Woodland. He actually went to college on a basketball scholarship, and it wasn't until his sophomore year in, 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 or second year in college that he played golf exclusively. And I think there's an advantage. And I think that, you know, um, my friend's son plays, he's one of the few people playing NCAA Division I baseball and Division I basketball. And too often right now, I think that parents are, are preoccupied in having a kid specialize when they're 10 years old and going. And I think one of the reasons we're seeing so many of these, you know, overuse injuries is that in, in my day growing up, you were never coached until you reached an older level. You just played on the streets. Now, if you ask kids like my son, who's in NCAA tennis and played hockey growing up, I don't think he's played anything in his life until now when he goes to work out with other kids that wasn't supervised. And I think that, you know, seeing somebody like Gary Woodland sends a clear message, you know, let kids play everything. If they're going to be good, then coach them up later, and they're going to be better, and I think you're going to avert some of these injuries that we're seeing across the board. But everybody wants the young superstar. They, you know, they, they want these kids to mature way too fast. And there's an emphasis, you know, that, that you know, now, now in baseball, instead of being a spring sport, is a fall and spring sport. You know, soccer's both. Lacrosse is t- tends to be a spring sport. You know, we used to allow kids to play, you know, baseball, basketball, football, and it was great. And we've gotten away from that. And I think, yes, it takes you know, you can coach up anybody if you buy enough lessons and things like that, but they all filter to the same. And, you know, seeing multi-sports athletes excel, I think, is a really, really good lesson, you know, and really, really important. And I think it, it, it stops injuries in a lot of senses. Zach, are you watching the Women's World Cup at all? I guess I'm beginning to, you know, as a, you know, I'm certainly not going to watch a 13 nothing Thailand game. But you think, watched- what did you think of that? 13 goals, celebrating even after 9, 10, 11, 12? I think it's professional, I mean, professional sports. I mean, put a team out there, you have a goal differential. And, you know, it's... 13 nothing. I don't really have that huge of, of an, an issue with those things because, you know, one of the things is if I'm playing for Thailand and I scored a goal and made it 13-1, I'd want it to be meaningful so that I'd want you to be trying your best. I'd hate to, you know, like if you're crushing me in a tennis set, Okay, and you won 12 games in a row. I'd hate to win the 13th knowing that you were giving me the game. I mean, that at least makes me feel good about a certain sense. You know, when, when, if you were the backup quarterback, okay, you were the backup quarterback, and you, you're Kyle Laletta this year, Greg Sussman, Kyle Laletta, okay, and they put you in the game in a blowout either way, okay, okay, and you... It score- happens. You score a touchdown. Wouldn't you like to feel that the other team was playing when you did it? Definitely. I mean, would you really be concerned about the score or them rubbing it up? Or would you really like to see what you could do in the best thing? 
So, me, I mean, this is not every kid gets a trophy. This is the friggin' World Cup. And, you know, you're out on the field. You know, it, it's not a heavyweight. This is not UFC where, you know, it can lead to death. I, I'd want, you know, my backups to play. They want to know that they scored a goal in the World Cup. I mean, you ever see the last kid on a, on a team and who hasn't scored before, how happy they are to score? I mean, it's pro sports. Final question of the day. Edwin Encarnacion acquired by the Yankees yesterday. They didn't have enough DHs. Because they don't have enough DHs. They believe Giancarlo Stanton can play the outfield, and he will do so starting tomorrow. Oh, he can play the outfield. He did in the NL for years. Correct. Yes. Aaron Judge should be back by this weekend, maybe next week at the latest. He'll play right field every day, leaving Encarnacion to be your everyday DH, but ultimately sending Clint Frazier down. He was understandably pissed about it. What do you think of the move? What do you think of the decision? What do you think is going on with Clint Frazier? Um, they want him to go down and play the outfield so that he can get, because people don't want to give up value for a 23-year-old DH. You know, so essentially, to me, what it says, I, I, number one, I think Brian Cashman has become an excellent gentleman. He's fantastic, yeah. Okay? I think that, you know, everybody says, oh, the Yankees have a lot of money. That's true, but he spends it wisely. He's built an organization from top to bottom when the Yankees bring up players, they actually look like they've played baseball. You know, the Mets bring up players, it's like you don't even think that they've ever played professionally in their life. It's like a new experience. Right. right? You, you, you know, Rosario's ridiculously talented, but it honestly looked like he didn't spend an hour in the major leagues. And you know what the strange thing is? As opposed to most of the kids that come from Latin America, he's tremendously educated. He comes from a very upper-class Family. His father's a judge in the Dominican Republic. His mother's a successful business person. He's got a tremendous amount of education. Um, I think that, you know, essentially, you know, Clint Frazier is the centerpiece of them getting more pitching. And what would you give up to somebody who you knew you had to DH at a young age? It takes away the National League. It takes away your Zach Wheelers. It means he can't be a piece for Bumgarner. So he, the Yankees need to prove that Clint Frazier can play the outfield, and I guess they don't want to experiment in the Bronx. Fair enough. Dr. Mitchell Roslin has been a blast, a really good episode tonight, learning about the injuries to Kevin Durant, learning about the injuries to Clay Thompson, how it will affect the Warriors and whatever team Kevin Durant. So if you're the on. Knicks, would you sign him? Yes. Yes, You I have would. no other hope. No other hope. The whole plan was Kevin Durant. The plan still has to be Kevin Durant. I don't think you have a choice. I really don't. Well, I, I, you know, again, I would explore to see how many more lottery tickets I could get. Okay. I, I, I really would. And, you know, again, what's really, really interesting in the Knicks is I go back to every big man my entire life that people talked about. The first one I remember was uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was either going to be the Knicks or the Lakers. It was the Lakers. Then you had Shaquille O'Neal, the Lakers. Now you have Anthony Davis. Lakers. That being said, if I'm the Knicks... I don't think I would have given up what the Lakers gave up for a one-year option of Anthony Davis. Okay. I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I think that was just too high of a risk to take. Um, I mean, I think that you just hope that you bring in enough people here and you, 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 know, you hope that RJ 
RJ Barrett is the best player in that draft. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. We'll break down the NBA draft and what happens on next week's show. That is Dr. Mitchell Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this week. It's been a, like I said, a total blast. I'm so excited to do it next week. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you haven't watched all our other shows, check them out. They're all on YouTube. Just search Doc Jock. That's Mitch. I'm Greg. See you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great night. Good night.